Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Two Guys, a Glove, and a Coke Bottle podcast. I'm Thomas Todd. I'm Danny Zarchi. And we're somehow still Giants fans. <laughs> you know how you can tell that you did more research for this than me is you actually knew what, n- what number episode this was. Well, Google Docs are my best friend these days. So, <laughs> so there's no baseball, but there's a baseball podcast. Yeah. We survived. Actually, we, we outlived the MLB. Who would have thought? <laughs> Not us. Not, Not us. <laughs> <laughs> recorded i looked at my notes since 2017 is that when you bought your house Danny? yeah that's a, that's about that um fun fact no baseball has been played since 2014 so it, it oh, works out incredible yeah. so wait that cubs giant series meltdown that never happened no that must have either not happened or it was before 2014 or pence never played for the rangers well See, that's one where I don't want to take that away from him because he had a great year. But no, it didn't happen. Sorry. I'm sorry, Hunter. Well, we'll get to Hunter Pence a little bit later in the podcast. Um, I'm happy to be back here with Danny. Uh, It's been too long, listeners. We hope you're still out there. Uh, We're really looking forward to baseball possibly squeezing in a short season, though we're not quite sure what's going to happen with that. Yeah. We've been following the proposals and counterproposals and talking about salary reductions or prorated salary, short season, long season, double headers, single headers. Um, we're going to let the more important people than us hammer that out. The MLP, BPA, and the owners hammer that out. They all make quite a bit more money than we do. Uh, so we'll just sit back and enjoy. And we're going to get caught up on what's gone on with the Giants in the off season and talk about some things that we hope to see this season. Danny, are you ready? I am ready. I do want to say that, you know, I am, as you've pointed out many times, and the eternal optimist um, when it comes to baseball. I have an official prediction I'd like to make. Oh. There will be no baseball in 2020. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Danny. Wow. This is all, this is all for naught. Wow. I didn't know you had the power to cancel things. Yes. <laughs> baseball has been bad. It's canceled. Sorry. <laughs> We uncovered um, some some bad tweets. That's interesting. Well, there's probably been a lot of bad tweets from the MLB account on Twitter. We could uh, check those for the ones who have been scrubbed. Um, that's actually a really interesting thing that you say because I actually think there will be an MLB season, and I, as everybody knows who's listening to the show, am the internal pessimist. But here's what I will say: I do not think I, I, I do think there will be a season. I do not think there should be a season. I agree with you on that point. <laughs> there absolutely should not be a season. Wait, because based... you want to be right or because you don't think there should be a season? Uh, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. But, you know, I, as this whole pandemic has progressed, um, I've been on the more pessimistic side about how bad it's going to be. And um, as the, the only positive to all of this is that I keep being right. So... <laughs> You know, like people were started getting sick and in the Bay Area, they weren't shutting down anything. Um, people weren't being careful. People were, people were still riding bar and were still coughing in each other's faces and, and all that. And, you know. Danny, when were people just coughing in each other's faces? In San Francisco, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was just kind of blatant disregard, I thought. And um, then everything went to shit. And it's still been shitty since then and people are acting like num- like the infection rate's going down and it's going up and people are acting like you know hospital beds are freely available and they're not and i i think this whole thing's crazy you know I, i'm the i love baseball more than the next guy but um i would rather not have a season because it's not worth putting you know, putting people at risk. Or if you're going to do it, then make it be the A's or something, because then you can at least socially distance inside their stadium. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, look, it's going to—it's a lot of money on the table for the owners. You know, the TV contract alone is just billions uh, between all the regional sports networks. And um, it's going to be a huge stain on their wallets, but I don't think canceling the MLB season would be a huge stain on the league. 
when you take something like 1994, when they, the strike happens, they're not able to reach a deal and the World Series is canceled. You know, that kind of haunted the MLB there for uh, the middle part of that decade. Um, thank goodness for steroids and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, or MLB may have uh, not gotten back to where it did in the early 2000s. Um, so I don't think they would catch a lot of bad press for not having a season, but definitely would hurt uh, financially for the league and the players. You know, we guys out there are scraping a living together, players in the minor leagues and uh, younger players on minimum salaries. You know, these guys can't afford to miss the season. Um, we know a lot of players have young kids and families and are the support structure for their people. So we don't want it to happen. We're not rooting for it. Um, but I don't think they can reasonably have a safe and productive Major League Baseball season by the time the weather changes to unplayable weather. Right. And, and I completely agree. And, you know, it's I, I don't think that MLB would face any sort of emotional backlash if they canceled. I th- I mean, of course they will on Twitter for the first like three days because people would just absolutely lose their minds. Um, you know, provincial fans would just erupt at not having the sport that they love appear. Um, yeah, but, but those are the same idiots who, you know, angrily tweet at some at, at guys for taking paternity leave to watch their wife have a baby. You know, these are idiots. Like the issue is that, yeah, they, they are not going to be able to have a safe season. Either way, you're putting players at risk, you're putting coaches, you're putting fans, you're putting the enormous staff that it would be required to make the fields playable, to, you know, staff the hotels, to, um, you know, every step along the way to make the game happen. You know, like a baseball game is not just uh, 25 guys and 25 guys and then, you know, and that's it. Like these are there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people who are involved in making every single game happen. And that is kind of just being ignored. Like, how is that? How is a grounds crew going to work um, safely? How is, you know, socially distanced? How is like, are they going to serve concessions? Are they not going to serve concessions? You know, and you talk about 1994 and the problem with 1994 was it was greed, right? It was, um, it was people who couldn't agree because, um, it was really just about money, and that was a stain on the league. If they came out and said, look, we love baseball, we know you love baseball, um, and we're, there's a lot of money at stake, but we're putting people's health and safety first, then yes, there would be idiots. But most of the people and the, the, right, the correct people wouldn't have a problem with it, um, or at least would, you know, would applaud it. What would not be... What they would never recover from is if they push us forward too fast and people get sick, which will happen. Yeah, and slight, slight tangent, I, what they're doing with college football is absolutely abhorrent. The fact that they're making players show up to a college football season and they're not having the students show up to the school. You know, we've closed our campus. We're not having classes this fall. We're going to do everything online. But if you happen to play football, Get your butt down here. You're playing. It's just a continuation of, you know, the bullshit college football and, well, not just college football, but football culture that, you know, that finally Roger Goodell came out and <laughs> to condemn. Oh. Raj. <laughs> Raj. Did you like no, his hostage video statement? Oh, Raj. Whoever is your PR firm now, you can retire. You have done it. You're the public relations firm who has slain the beast. You have gotten Roger Goodell to admit that the NFL should not be racist. And did it in the least authentic and convincing way. I don't care. They can retire. They can go to Don Draper Coca-Cola heaven, you know, (laughs) to make an obscure Mad Men reference. But uh, all right, Danny, I think we should get into the team that we do still love. Yes. Uh, we haven't been giving it our all, our all as far as Giants Pod and this uh, show goes, but we're ready to dive back in. We've been giving it as much of our all as the team has been giving it as their all. Oof, rough stuff, though, Gene. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and... Based solely uh, on results. And nobody's, you know, doubting the, the effort of the Giants players. They just haven't... The results on the field have not been there. Okay. All right. Nice save. Um, we have a new manager, Gabe Kapler, uh, new, fully new coaching staff. Uh, it's a lot younger of a coaching staff. I'm looking at the ages of 
you know, the pitching coaches, Brian Bannister and Andrew Bailey, um, they're both under 40. Uh, Alyssa Nacken, the first ever uh, female full-time coach in MLB history, a San Francisco Giants employee, 29. Uh, I'm older than some of the coaches of the San Francisco Giants, and I'm not comfortable with that fact. How does that make you feel? Um, you know, it's, it's something we're going to have to get used to. Like, let me just put it that way. Um, and, you know, Andrew Bailey is somebody who I grew up watching. So <laughs> it's interesting for him to, you know, go uh, now be now be a coach for a team that I root for. So I know we, we don't have to get into the rehash the Gabe Kapler thing. I really don't want to do it here on this podcast. It's been done. It's over. Um, but wasn't a great you, look for them. Wasn't a great look for them. I mean, it, I, it's the equivalent of the Niners drafting Bosa. Just a total misread of the city you play in and whose people support you. Um, but here we are. It's a whole new, you know, Danny, we came along in the Dave Rigetti era, who was seemingly an older baseball player who had retired and had a lot of success coaching by the time 2010 came around. He was not an elder statesman in baseball, but he was a statesman. Um, we've got a lot of new faces. What do you think that impact is going to be on the day-to-day Giants squad? You know, like, and that, that's, that's an interesting question because we don't really know what coaches do. We don't really know what effect they have. Um, I heard someone put it really well that um, like 90% of what the coaches do, we don't see. And the 90% that we don't see is, you know, the 90% more effective or like it was phrased much more eloquently when I read it. But the point was that uh, managing in game is a tiny percentage of what coaches do. Um, and everything else is much more impactful than managing in game. So that said, we don't really know, but something that we've seen time and time again is being a good player and being a good coach have very little overlap in the Venn diagram because, you know, like Tim Lincecum would be a terrible baseball coach, terrible ba- pitching coach because. Wow. Um, I've, I've got Tim right here on the line. <laughs> uh, Tim, Danny says you'd be a terrible coach. Uh, you know, because he was somebody where he was just, he was a prodigy, right? He, I mean, he was a freak and he could do this wild whip thing with his body that, Imagine him trying to teach that to other people who don't have the same sort of gymnastic, you know, springiness that let him be, you know, the crazy good pitcher that he was. Like, I'm not even sure Barry Bonds, steroid jokes aside, um, would be a good coach because, yes, he he himself was a very good hitter. But does that mean that he knows how to teach? You know, that's not clear. But you keep seeing people like Bam Bam who – was for all intents and purposes, a very good hitting coach for a while, you know, kind of come from people who weren't themselves batting champions. So, you know, having somebody in their twenties or thirties, be a coach, if they know how to coach, if they're good teachers and good drill instructors and that, all that kind of thing, then I could, I think they could be very good. Interesting. Um, What I'll I'll be watching for, of course, is we were very spoiled by having Bruce Bochy. He managed a pretty good game. You know, we don't win a lot of those playoff games and world series without him managing the bullpen the way he did and them deciding which non-roster invitees join the squad. Uh, his coaching staff did a really great job with Brian Sabian and his group evaluating the talent and knowing how to build a roster and have it execute on the field. We, we all get into the minutiae where we can criticize different decisions, but you can't argue with the results of a moderately talented team winning three World Series in five years. There has to be something something cooking in the coaching staff. We can say we don't really know, but at the end of the day, you know. Right. I mean, you know, in hindsight, we know, but in do we have, does that give us any sort of foresight to be able to look at it? You know, I think what we can say is that if somebody like Gabe Kapler, you know, who, uh, let's just say the team burned a lot of their uh, emotional capital bringing him in. Um, if he isn't successful, if he loses the clubhouse, so to speak, um, then that could be a problem. You know, you have a, a bunch of older players who are breaking down. You have 
um, younger players who are seeking mentors and may not be able to find them. You have a coach who, you know, doesn't have the respect or the love of, of his players. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's something that could happen. Uh, everything that we've read, you know, the players seem like they love Kapler. So, and it's but again, we don't know how much that actually affects anything. Yeah, and it's interesting because we have a, a built-in, uh, quiet, strong locker room presence in a player like Buster Posey. Um, you know, we've got Hunter Pence back on the team who definitely can control the dialogue and emotional output of a clubhouse, as we've seen. So I think having those two be in there is going to be good for Cap to be able to have that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm curious to watch his in-game managerial decisions. Uh, the bullpen is not something we'd call solidified. Um, the outfield is not something we would call a veteran. Um, there's going to be a lot of decisions he's going to have to make that we're all going to be second guessing. And there's going to be a lot of folks out there, Giants fans included, who want to watch him fail. You know, even if they don't want to see their team lose, they would like to be correct in their assertion that Gabe Kapler did not deserve this job. I feel like you're subtweeting all of Giants Twitter. I'm not subtweeting them. I'm just saying that I know there are a lot of people out there who would like to watch him fail. And I am not one of those people, but I am going to be probably – 3% 3% extra critical of any decision that he makes 2% because I'm spoiled on Bruce Bochy and 1% for personal reasons. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of what I meant by the personal capital thing is that, um, and it's, it's, it's hard to make these comparisons because, you know, there are real people's lives at stake or, um, or there are real people who are affected by these things, but you know, the Niners, they can, take the Bosa situation and they say, look, you know, this guy is obviously the best player available. Um, we, you know, we need an edge rusher, like everything there, take away his Instagram likes or, you know, his Trump support, whatever it was that they were talking about. Um, and this makes perfect sense and fills an exact need. Um, and, you know, you can kind of close your eyes and say, well, I get it. You know, at least the Niners will win more games because of it. Um, and they did. And they did. They were right, you know. And it was hard to root for Bosa, but, you know, it was fun to root for the Niners. Um, if you want to take the same comparison with Kapler, there were a lot of people. I mean, he got fired from his last job for being a bad manager. and. Um, you know, Farhan loves him because they worked together before and there was never really any, any chance that Farhan was going to, uh, you know, give him the boot or change his mind um, because of the Dodgers thing. Cause remember Farhan was there too for that. He knew about it. Um, so are the giants taking a massive risk for, with less upside of a good coach. I mean, that, that's a question that is kind of there that was answered with Bosa. Yeah. And uh, as someone who is not a Niners fan and I just lost 95% of our audience, it was uh, interesting to watch them fail in the Super Bowl. Not too bad. What even are you a fan of now that Peyton Manning has retired? Chaos. You're a fan of chaos. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> All so. right. Well, let's let's jump into what the offseason looked like with a quick in and out. Um, out, Madison Bumgarner, he's a Diamondback. Stephen Vogt, he's a Diamondback. Uh, Will Smith is a Brave, and Kevin Pillar has joined the Red Sox. Danny, I'm going to ask you the hardest multiple-choice question of all time. Which giant leaving the squad will have the biggest impact on the 2020 season? None of them. No one's going to play. <laughs> Obviously, Danny meant Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner, yes. <laughs> it, it, when and if we do have a 2020 season, what do you think your immediate reaction to seeing him uh, on the hill in Oracle Park in a Diamondbacks jersey will be? Um, You've I mean, it's going to be weird. Mentally. You've apparently not prepared for this at all. It, it's gonna. It's certainly gonna gonna be weird. I, I've kind of processed it. <laughs> um, it was really hard when the news came out. You know, I was sad. I thought the Giants were gonna step up and 
give him some great offer. But I think kind of the way it all ended up going down is, at least on, on my part, I certainly don't have any bad feelings for him. I mean, I'm a firm believer that free agents can go wherever they want. Um, you know, I don't think people were correct in criticizing Kevin Durant. Wow, um, Kurt, Kurt Flood over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think that, you know, what he was looking for in a team um, included that he really likes Arizona. And I think what they said, he has a cattle ranch uh, there. And, you know, it's in the Giants didn't really give him any sort of offer that would have been hard for him to refuse. So, so I, you know, I, I wish him the best off the field and I wish him the worst on the field and it's going to be sad going up against him, but I hope that, you know, we hit 27 home runs against him. It's, it's going to be tough for sure, especially because, he's such an effort-based player. It's so easy to root for him. You know, you can see him out there. He lives his emotions out on his sleeve, even if it's just, you know, his game face or uh, the vigor he brings to his at-bats, despite being a pitcher who could just mail it in if he wanted to. Um, So it's easy to root for a guy like that. So I guess what I'll miss is the easy intensity that he brought to every single game that he played. Um, it's also tough as a Giants fan in general to watch Madison Bumgarner leave, to watch your starting center fielder, Kevin Pillar, not come back, your closer, or, or at least in a perfect world, eighth, ninth inning guy, Will Smith, not come back. And then the import talent is Hunter Pence, which is fantastic, but he's a third, fourth outfielder at this point in his career. Wilmer Flores, who's a utility infielder, and a collection of pitchers I could best describe as a bucket of baseballs that could explode at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and when the Kevin Pillar non-tender happened, I I mean, I was surprised. Um, I know it had been rumored, but you know, he, he was a guy who was very well liked. Didn't he win the Willie Mack award? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, which is voted on by the team. Um, so, so that was certainly a surprise, but I think that from the more, um, I don't want to say stats-based because that's, you know, I consider myself stats-based, but from the more, from the people who are approaching it more like fantasy baseball than an actual baseball team made up of real people, um, you know, there, there was some suggestion that he's not worth the 10 or so million that he would have commanded in arbitration and that maybe they would just non-tender him. Um, given the deal he ended up getting from the Red Sox, I guess they were right. And the fact that the Giants won't basically one, not even strength, but area of interest in their minor league right now is outfielders. It makes sense. Um, but it was still a little weird to see. It was, it was sh- shocking. And I, again, wish him the best. You know, he played very well for the Giants. And he, again, is a hustle player. Just like you said, you could see how hard he was working. And obviously he was beloved by his teammates. And so again, I'm not rooting. I'm getting, I'll root against the Red Sox at every opportunity, but I'll root for him. It's a, it's a tough hang as a fan of a baseball team to look at the transaction list and just kind of take in a deep breath and say, well, management knows this is not our title window. You know, no big name free agents, no, break the bank signings for a team that is consistently one of the top five payrolls in baseball. Not, not to say that they're shedding salary. I don't think that's a maneuver you would accuse Farhan Zaidi of that at this point, but definitely shifting a competitive opportunity to the future, you know, thinking more about 2022 and 2023 than 2020 and 2021. Um, It's hard, it's hard to take, but you, you understand it and you play along and, you know, you, normally you'd have to grind through 162 games, but at worst this season, even if the Giants are bad, we're looking at 70, 90 games. That's a breeze, baby. Yeah, can we just go like 18 and 32 and then get the first pick? <laughs> I don't even think that'll be bad enough. Um, but to, actually, that's a, that's a good way to transition into talking about the MLB draft, which is coming up uh, next week. Uh, we're doing this on D-Day. Um, June 6th, I believe the draft is on the 10th. The Giants have the number 13 pick, uh, the number 49 pick, and then picked up two compensatory draft picks 
because they lost Bumgarner and Smith in free agency. So they have 67 and 68 as well. Um, I don't know enough about Farhan's history as a drafter to say, oh, well, he's definitely going to clean up with some college outfielders or he's looking at high school arms. Like, I don't, I don't pretend to know enough about that. Yeah, um, and you can't, you know, in baseball, unlike other sports, you can't just look at your team and say, oh, here's where, what our need is. Right. You can't even really look at your minor league system and say, here's what our need is. Yeah, because your need is everything all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the, the Giants. Um, you know, I would be surprised if we took an outfielder um, simply because, uh, you know, we've got some really good young outfield talent. Um, and it feels like we've taken first round outfielders recently, but, um, that's as far as I can get. The the best part about being a super duper baseball nerd is when your team selects a player that you've had your eye on and you get to, to fist pump and get really into it. And like, Oh, I love that guy. The best part about being us is that the Giants draft someone and we get to silently nod and go, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, give him a couple years. See what happens. <laughs> and you name, let's see, I want to see, uh, I want to see how many oh, of no, our first asking. round picks you can get. Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be really bad. I think okay, I know. Well, let's start. I, know, I think I know two in the last decade. Um, let's see. Okay. I, I remembered another one. Okay. All right. So can we go well, just in the, just in the 2010s? Hold on. This, I'm fighting technology at the moment. Is it winning? Uh, yes. I has not been going well for me. Oh, there we go. All right, let's start with 2019. You've just really flipped this whole trivia thing on its head, and are now. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it at the end of the podcast, but uh, all right, Danny, let's do it. All right. Uh, well, let's just, you, you can name them from whatever year you remember. Let's go okay. 20, 2011. Let's go 2010 to present. 20, okay. 2010 through 2019. If you can name okay. five. Okay, I cannot, but uh, Joey Bart. Yeah, uh, 2018. Two, uh, Chris Stratton. Chris Stratton, 2012. Uh, Joe Panic. Joe Panic, 2011. And, and actually, there are two 2011s, I should point out. And I'm out. That's, that's all the first round picks that I can name. All right, some notable omissions. Gary Brown, our favorite oh, player. Yes. Uh, Kyle Crick was the other 2011. Should have guessed that. Um, so let's see, Gary Brown, not going to be a major league player, at least not looking like it. Kyle He's Crick retired, was... Danny. <laughs> He's retired. Is he actually? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Kyle Crick was last on the Pirates, I believe. Um. Joe Panic Mets, I, I but Panic Forever Giant. Love Joe Panic. I got Move on. Uh, Chris Stratton, remember him? I said him, so yes. Okay. You're the uh, most frustrating trivia host of all time. <laughs> there, there are a few Chris's here. Christian Arroyo, who was my favorite oh. player. He was part of the trade to uh, to get uh, Longo, right? Yes. So he's part of the Rays now. Tyler Beatty, who has had flashes, but... And also has had Tommy John surgery in the last month. In between those flashes came periods of darkness. Um, <laughs> Chris Shaw, not on the team anymore. I think he was part of the trade. Actually, he may be one of the few who's still on the team. Um, Phil Bickford. Oh, I don't remember that being a first-round pick. See, I don't follow the draft as well as I should. Like I said, I do the thing where I just kind of go, "All right, cool." When I hear his name in a couple of years, I'll be, I'm ready. I'm ready yeah, for it. Chris Shaw, Chris Shaw is still on the team. Phil Bickford, I believe, was part of the trade to get. Um, uh, he was one of the trades in 2016. So to sum up this segment, Thomas and Danny know nothing about the Major League Baseball draft. That that's 100% accurate. Um, other other ones, Helio Ramos and Hunter Bishop was last year. Yes, Ramos, I should have known that. Uh, I was happy I got three. I sh you're right, I should have gotten five. I should have gotten Ramos, and I knew Crick. I just didn't say. Um, well, let's move on, talk about a couple little things about the roster. 
Uh, I had an interesting conversation with a friend earlier. We were talking about the viability of Major League Baseball versus the NFL and NBA and talking about the pecking order. And I asked him to, to tell me how many baseball players he could name. And he said, well, it's more than hockey players. So I accepted that as an answer. Um, he also asked if Buster Posey was still a giant. I said, yes. And he said, is anyone else from the 2010 run still on the team? And I said, yes, of course. They will always have Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> will he, though? Does he count, though, because he left and came back? Yeah, he counts, though. He's from that run, and he, he was in all three World Series. Yeah. Um, which, I'm trying to remember, which round was he left out? Was it the Division Series? Uh, in 2014? No, in 2010. Oh, in 2010? I do not remember which series it was. Yeah, 14, he caught the final out. So he was heavily involved in the third base situation in 14. Right, and in 2012, he hit three home runs off of Verlander. Two off Verlander, one off Al Albuquerque, if we're being, if we're being correct. Fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Pablo Sandoval actually fighting for a roster spot does not have a guaranteed spot on the roster. I'm imagining if the rosters are going to be as big as I think they're going to be, that it shouldn't be a problem for them to carry Panda just because he is versatile enough and hitting from both sides of the plate and playing a couple of uh, a couple of corner infield positions. There's only two corner infield positions, but he can play both of them. Um, I think there will be a spot for him on the team, but we may have seen the end of Pablo Sandoval. I'm not sure. Yeah, and that would be similarly the end of an era. Um, but – you know, it's from a very cold perspective, you're asking, as you just said, this is not our championship window. He's not uh, part of the next championship window, you could say, pretty securely. Um, he doesn't have the same kind of, I don't know, of clubhouse presence as as a Hunter Pence, for example, um, who also is better than he is. Um, so what, what's the point of having Sandoval on the team? Oh, well, I mean, like I said, his versatility, both sides of the plate. Um, he can play two positions, and you never know. This could be the year he loses all the weight. Right, but the, all of those are reasons why he might be a good player to have on a team that's trying to win. And I'm saying, what if we're not? Why field the team at all, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I keep saying. Yeah, I just think it's interesting to have a guy who's been part of the franchise for so long and happily played for us on the Red Sox dime. <laughs> Being happily on from both perspectives. Yeah, no, exactly. We no, loved 100%. it too. Yeah, we, we enjoyed it thoroughly. Any value we got out of that was 100% gravy. Um, so Panda may or may not make the roster. Hunter Pence is definitely going to be on there. Um, so we will at least have um, classic light version of the teams we enjoyed in 2012 and 2014 having posey pence and panda possibly uh represent the killer peas yeah stupid promotion fans tried to start based on people's first letters of their last names i do think that um the, the the issue with panda is that if there was anybody in the minor leagues at third base or at first base who they want to see they want to get some play um then it would be a fairly easy decision to leave him off the roster. But there isn't, you know? It's like you've seen guys come and go. I think the latest was Ryder Jones. He's, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even were, know what's happened to most of them. Were you ride or die? <laughs> I was not, but... Uh, I was die. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, he's someone that I wasn't really following in the minors, and so he came up and... I, yeah, and, and you mentioned Arroyo. Arroyo was the other one who was like, oh, yeah, he'll be at third base for a million years. Yeah. You know, and I actually think that Evan Longoria is a pretty good third baseman. Um, you know, I don't think he's been a massive disappointment or anything like that, at least not more than the rest of the team. But, um, yeah, I guess I guess for me, unless we want a veteran backup, uh, I'm not really sure what role he fills because, you know, his offensive numbers were not very good last year. His defensive numbers were not very good last year. You know, he was worth one win, win above replacement. 
So few panda hats sold too in the last few years. So many heads went cold because they didn't <laughs> want to wear the hats. Or no, they just bought those little visors that have the spiky hair on them instead. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like there's a difference between um, kicking players off the roster or choosing to, you know, choosing to cut them, choosing to give rookies or prospects playing time over them versus deciding to bring them back when it's not part of the long-term plan. You know, I can see, I can see both sides. Yeah. But they're trying to field a competitive roster and he might be a part of that. Um, Let's shift a little bit to the outfield, the situation the giants have been pretty poor in covering most of our lifetime. Uh, Other than Barry Bonds, not a lot of successful outfielders, you know, Pence filled that void for a while. Um, but it's looking a lot younger, and if not younger, a lot less experienced uh, when you have guys like Dickerson and Duggar and Yastrzemski out there as your possible starting outfield. Uh, not a ton of big league experience for those three guys. Uh, I know Yastrzemski's not a youthful guy. He's kind of a, an older young player. But uh, what do you think of that starting outfield? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Right. I like uh, one thing, one theory that I've always subscribed to is that you have these, this category of players who have never been healthy and bad at the same time. And Dickerson is certainly a member of that team. Um, He was way better than he had any right to be for a short period of time um, this year or last year. And then he got hurt. Then he came back and he played hurt and he was bad. Um, And that basically also was his career for the Padres. So there is reason to believe that he might be very good and just hasn't strung it together. And whether that is an actual um, injury prone body, or it's the fact that he pushes himself to play while hurt, or it's been coaching staffs that have pushed him to play while hurt or whatever. You know, I think that, I think he could be very good. I think that he needs to not play hurt. And if it ever comes to a choice of, do I want to take two or three weeks off and fully recover or try to play through this? The answer should always be fully recover because this whole playing hurt thing doesn't work for him. Yeah, and, and the high upside guy, the good guy most to watch is, is Duggar in center field. Um, he's got the best pedigree, uh, not genetically. Uh, obviously, that's Yastrzemski, but um, he has the best prospect pedigree and could be a guy that could be roaming the outfield for quite some time going forward. And the Giants are going to get uh, 140, 150-game look at him if that's what they want, and they'll make a decision on that. <clears throat> about whether he's the center fielder of the future or not based on this season and probably next season. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's also continually getting hurt. And he's put together some really good months, both off, both offensively and defensively. And I think we have more faith that he's going to be the guy defensively. Um, and you can also get hurt a lot. That's true, but I'm not a professional athlete. so. But when cares. you're healthy, you're also not very good. So what do we do with that? <laughs> well, I'm not a member of that of that team. Um, you know, like I think last, last year they, they had Pilar in center and, um, you could see that he wasn't really a center fielder anymore. And then Duggar came in and started and was our starting center fielder and Pilar moved to right. And just that shift improved the defense of the team dramatically. So that was pretty cool to see like what having, a an elite defensive center fielder, something the Giants have not had in a very long time since, what, old Shinjo? Old-ass Kenny Lofton. <laughs> Tsuyoshi Shinjo, maybe? Man. Like, he, play, he played right field. No, no, those orange sleeves were in dead center. Marvin Bernard. <laughs> um, like, if we have somebody like Duggar, who is an elite defender and at least – um, batting his weight in center, if you will, then we can take risks on, you know, bat first corner outfielders, which is can something he, we can might Can he bat my weight instead? <laughs> <laughs> can he bat Pablo's weight? <laughs> can um, we find a person whose weight he should bat? 
I'll volunteer. I will, I will volunteer as tribute. Um, so, but we've also seen times when, when uh, uh, Duggar could not put it together offensively and was a major liability. And, you know, I don't know if his defense could ever be enough to really um, carry it then. Like in June last year, Duggar batted 195 with a 550 OPS. Like, are there even Billy Hamilton's defense wouldn't be worth it for that? Also uh, a giant. And also a giant. Um, another thing that you, another name you said or or didn't say um, is Austin Slater, who's been long been a favorite of mine. Um, and, and another guy who has at times looked amazing and at times looked completely lost. So um, I know he's been getting, I know he got time at first, but I think he's also gotten time at uh, all outfield positions. Um, like we've seen him in center, which doesn't make any sense, but um with this kind of roster of oft injured outfielders, um, I, I think we'll see a fair amount of Slater and I would like to, and he's another one of the guys where it's like, if would I rather have a full season of Pilar or a full season of Slater just to see what we have? That's one where I'm so tempted by the promise of Slater that, you know, I, I a little, little glad that Pilar is off the team. Okay. Um, well, we're going to launch ourselves into a segment called Five Questions with Thomas and Danny, where we're going to ask five questions of ourselves and of each other, and we're going to attempt to answer those questions to the best of our ability. I'm going to go first, and my first question, my most pressing question for the 2020 season is, will Joey Bart make an impact on the 2020 Giants? So uh, we're assuming... I'll give some background before we start. Joey Bart, the number two overall pick in 2018. Uh, prospect rankings, he's number 14 on MLB.com, 25 on Baseball Prospectus, and completely and utterly reviled by Baseball America at number 32. Uh, across two levels last season, he hit 33 extra base hits in 79 games, uh, and we have Buster Posey coming off his worst OPS plus 84 and just 12 combined home runs in 2018 and 2019. So I feel like I, I spat out all my information too quickly because now I don't get to make arguments. But uh, Danny, what do you think about that question? So I'm going to take this question assuming that there will be a giant season because my official prediction is no, he will not have an effect oh. <laughs> on the 2020 giant season. But assuming that they do play, I'm still going to say no. Um, I just don't see any incentive for that. I mean, he's somebody who has been mashing in the minors, but if you have a team that like, I could see them bring him up for a cup of coffee. Uh, uh, maybe he'll come up and he'll get, you know, a in, few in games December, in December when the rosters is <laughs> hopefully it's really hot coffee. Um, you know, maybe they'll bring him up and they'll give, you know, they'll give him a week of play and give, give Posey, you know, or give Posey a whole series off and let Bart cash for a few, you know, Aramis Garcia um, is hurt. And so that, uh, that does mean that their go-to backup isn't there anymore, but I just don't see, I don't see them doing it. I think this is the season when we find out if Buster Posey is done, which is actually my first question. Oh, ec excellent. Well, we just get, you get to ask me, ask me the formal question that you wrote. Is Buster Posey done? Wow, you're really good at this. Thank you. That's like uh, when Hemingway wrote the world's shortest story. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Buster Posey done? Uh, the answer is no. Um, as much and by as I done, I mean still playing, but shouldn't be. No, no, he should still be playing. Um, I'm actually really curious to see if a shortened season and the extra couple of months of rest have possibly rejuvenated him to a degree where yeah. he can get by on grit and guile for 80 games. So let, know. let me back up and give some context here. Oh, go ahead. Uh, we saw, so Buster Posey, former first round pick, <laughs> MVP, rookie of the year, three-time world champion. Um, Thank you for that context of everyone's favorite baseball player for the last decade. And, uh, and batting title. Uh, batting title champion. Don't forget that one. Well, uh, Melky Cabrera almost won one of those. So, you know. he, he did win. He just abdicated, <laughs> which nobody knew you could do <laughs> until he did it. And everyone was like, great. 
<laughs> That's how records work. Uh, steroids uh, were just Melky's Wallace Simpson. Yeah. Um, That's an abdication joke. No, I get it. That's too much. Thank you. Um, so Posey had hip surgery or had a hip injury, and I think he's had multiple surgeries and has not recovered or had not recovered. And um, a lot of the criticism that we've seen about why his swing has not come back. And let me rephrase. He's, he's actually been very good defensively, and he's been good on a pitch framing basis, which is something he's always been very good at, but he's not hitting for any power whatsoever. Um, and a lot of the guesses surrounding that have been maybe his whole lower body, which is where the power in your swing comes from, is lacking because he's still overcoming his hip injury. Anyway, take it away, T-Dodd. Yeah, I mean, he's been turned into a bit of a singles hitter and not that fantastic of one of late. Like you mentioned, the power gone 12 home runs across two seasons. Um, and it's just not there. And that's the strength of Joey Bart's game is his ability to hit for extra bases. And if you look at his um, prospect sheet, the power and the ability to hit is just as equal, sorry, is equal to his defensive abilities, according to the scouts. The scouts have him as a 60 hit for power and a 60 defense, which is, and also his arm is a 60 as well. So he brings a lot of defensive acumen to the game as well. We haven't seen it, of course, translate to the major leagues yet. That's on a 20 uh, to 80 scale. Yeah, on a 20 to 80 scale, 60 is a very good tool um, to have. I, for one, have a, a four for an arm. Um, out of 80 and it's not even out of 80 it's out of 20 so it's bad um but i could see joey bart making this roster and being somebody that gets a significant number of at-bats this season and i would be happy if that happened yeah i mean just looking at buster posey's fan graphs stats um it's and fan graphs is very irritating when you try to view it with an ad blocker on um you know looking at the last few years uh even when he was a superstar, 2010, 2011, well, let's not talk about 2011, 2010, 2012 through 2014, et cetera. His hard hit rate was in the 33 range, 33% range, up to 34, 36. In his last few years, he's been somewhere between 33 and 36, which is basically his career numbers, um, which would tell you that um, his hard hit rate has not gone down. However, there's something's been weird about the hard hit rate on fan graphs because a few years ago, um, and I don't know if it's because they're tracking it differently, everybody's hard hit rate went up. <laughs> so, uh, except Buster Posey's, his stayed right there. Um, so I think what baseballs, they, they changed, they changed the baseballs, right? Uh, maybe, but also, when you see something that universal, it feels like it's a tracking thing. But, you know, I was trying to think of who's like the most um, emblem, uh, stereotypical, uh, pretty good, above average, never spectacular player who's been around for a long time. And, of course, I thought of Nick Markakis. Uh, <laughs> Poor Nick. Poor Nick Markakis hard, and Tim Lincecum would like a word with you after this podcast. His hard hit rate uh, from 2015 was 25.7 then it went up to 33 then 33 then 40.6 and 41 so that's as he aged as he aged as he you know he's now what in his late 30s something like that um and so i'm not saying that everybody saw a similar incline or maybe mark kick has just started hitting the ball really well as soon as he passed his 34th birthday but um i think seeing posey's plateaued hard hit rate is actually a negative okay i'm ready for my question number two are you ready Dave? yes with tyler Beatty having tommy john surgery what will the back end of the giants rotation look like <laughs> to set this up give context cueto and samarja are pretty solidly the number one and number two pitchers and then there's a bunch of question marks and i'm not going to go into the names because i kind of want to get your gauge on where you think uh, the Giants are going to end up going, or maybe your own personal pet projects for rotation members. 
Um, I think there are some really interesting names that they picked up. I mean, no one that they really paid all that much for, which makes sense. Um, and nobody that we're really counting on, um, again, because <laughs> they didn't pay very much for them. But I think I think Kevin Gossman is someone who should be interesting. And there are some projection numbers. It might have even been on Zips with our old friend Zimborski that Kevin Gossman's projected war was like the same as Bumgarner's, or at least not very different. Um, so I think he's a name that's going to be really uh, it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, we might see something similar to kind of what happened last year, where they have a bunch of pitchers and they put out this defense first lineup or defense first defensive lineup in an effort to. Um, just make the numbers look as shiny as possible and then flip them. I mean, obviously, if we have uh, a shortened season, we may not have a trade deadline or we may have we may not have any trades or the deadline might be early. So who knows how that's going to affect anything. But there are some players who not that long ago were pretty good and didn't necessarily rely on the sorts of tools that would lead them to rapid decline. So that Gossman's interesting. We got Trevor Cahill. Tyson Ross, those guys were good not that long ago. And in many cases, their injury, their careers were derailed by injury. So I would want to see what they do when they're healthy. Tyson Ross in particular was very good for a long time with just weird stuff. And he's been hurt for a while. So he's exactly the kind of guy that a team like this that is not trying to win, that is looking at a lot of money coming off the payroll in the next few years, they should be taking a risk on. Yeah. Um, Gossman's probably got a roster for a starting rotation spot locked up. He's been around league average, give or take, for the last few seasons and should at least be able to provide some value uh, in the rotation. Um, Drew Smiley is an interesting candidate, uh, left-hander. Uh, through 25 games, or pitched 25 games in 2018 uh, poorly. Uh, after missing a bunch of time due to injury. Um, so he's looking to come back and recapture. We, I mean, we met Drew Smiley as a Detroit Tiger in, in 2012. Uh, Giants fans should be familiar with him. Um, so we'll see if they can resurrect his career. He'll probably get a spot in the rotation as well. And then after that, it's kind of between uh, Logan Webb, 23-year-old pitcher who the Giants really like. Uh, he's going to come out and fight for that fifth spot. Tyler Anderson, another left-hander. Uh, he's coming off surgery. He wasn't going to be ready to start the season, um, but might be if the season is as delayed as it has been so far into July, he might be able to come in and fight for a spot. And you mentioned Ross and Cahill, uh, veteran pitchers who are just looking to cash some more uh, pension time in <laughs> Major League Baseball. And you've always got uh, the old faithfuls, uh, Andrew Suarez and Derek Rodriguez, who could stretch themselves out of the bullpen uh, back into starting pitching uh, caliber arms in an emergency. Um, yeah, and just like like looking at Tyson Hills, uh, Tyson Ross, I conflated a few people there. Looking at Tyson Ross's numbers in 2015, which admittedly was a very long time ago, he had a 3.26 ERA, which was a 2.98 FIP. Very very good numbers, and it all basically went into chronic injury after that. Uh, he barely pitched in 2016, barely pitched in 2017. In 2018, between two teams, he had a 4.15 ERA, which these days I would take. Uh, then 2019, he was hurt again. So he really hasn't been fully healthy for a full season since 2015. And back then he was good. So there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract, especially somebody who used to be good and has never been bad and healthy at the same time. So, fingers crossed. Uh, one thing I'd like to mention is uh, Johnny Cueto is likely the quote-unquote ace of this rotation. He's going to probably get the first start and lead off. And that brings me to my next question. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead. Let's do it then. <laughs> is Johnny Cueto – what are we going to see from Johnny Cueto? Are we oh, going wow, to more see – more than four words. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, is Johnny Cueto good, I was going to lose it. No. So looking at Johnny Cueto's career, he was always somebody who was really underrated as a starting pitcher. He was among the league's best, never really respected as such. I think he got a lot of shit for his uh, poor performance in 
the World Series for the Royals in 2015. Um, on the Giants, he had a 2.79 ERA in his first season uh, in 2016. Then he had a bad year in which he was injured. 2018, in 53 innings, he had a 3.23 ERA, but not a very good FIP. So those numbers weren't really all that great. And then he pitched 16 innings last year. Um, obviously uh, dealing with Tommy John and issues like that, but um, he seems to be, he's had plenty of time to recover. The delayed start time is giving him even more time to get his training up, to get his conditioning. Are we going to see something more similar to fully healthy Johnny Cueto pre-juiced ball, or are we going to see something that looks more like a guy in the twilight of his career? Okay, so before I answer that question, which now was 20 times as long as the previous question that you asked me by the time you got to the question mark at the end, um, I just want to mention how interesting it is to have watched this team for as long as we have and take every year since 2008 or 2009 when having Tim Lincecum anchor your rotation was such a blessing, even on teams that weren't necessarily that competitive at first. Um, and you could say, oh, wow, at least Tim Lincecum's pitching today. No matter what happens, I get to watch Tim Lincecum pitch once a week or twice a week. And then to have that kind of melt away, but then immediately be ripped by Madison Bumgarner, who you really look forward to his starts. He wins SI Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, wins a World Series, puts the world on his back. And to have that guy... This is really going to be the first now, season so, for a decade when we don't have that feeling about one of our guys. Can I also point something out? Yeah. Matt Cain. Yeah, but he was never <laughs> he was never the ace. Like Matt Cain is but my not favorite for lack giant of, of the, talent. No, oh no, I know Matt Cain's my favorite giant from the last few years. But there was no such thing as Happy Cain Day. It was Happy Lincecum Day. It was a holiday in the Bay Area when Tim Lincecum pitched. You know. And that's not Matt Cain's fault. Lincecum was the flashier player. He had that winning smile. He had the weird delivery. He had the two Cy Youngs in a row. 14 strikeout game against the Braves. You know, Matt Cain didn't have anything like that. He had a wonderful career, and he's a great guy. One of the best World Series pitchers of all time. Yeah, absolutely. In the perfect game, and he, like I said, absolutely great career. But this is the first time we don't have the guy to root for once a week. That's what makes it tough in baseball when your team isn't very good is you don't even have that time to look forward to, oh, well, just wait till our ace pitches. Then we're guaranteed to win. Don't have that. I think Cueto could be that guy. You think so? Because I, I, I don't think he necessarily is going to be bad, but I don't think that he's going to inspire uh, fans of a, a team that's not performing very well with a later title window to want to tune in every fifth day to make sure they don't miss this guy's start. I see what you mean. And I think that the general not goodness of most of the rest of the team will make the it not, hard to watch. The not goodness? Yes. Um, will make it a little more discouraging to watch. But I want to see Cueto start. I want to see, I, I like his starts. I like his pitching. And, you know, especially if he ends up uh, starts the season on a high note, I think he could be the ace. You know, and not to mention, and pivoting a tiny bit, Samarja had a really good year last year. And it's there's at least a narrative that you can understand that he had a growth period. He had growing pains going from a flamethrower to a guy who can't throw that hard. Um, I, we've all gone through that. Oh, absolutely. Still going through it. <laughs> I mean, I've been learning that I've, I've been trying to deal with my lack of a fastball for 33 years. Um, and finally, last year, he put it together. Um, and I know he was a popular trade target. He was even a, I read one idiotic thing that said they should cut him. That makes no sense. You only read one idiotic thing? Yes. <laughs> um, but no, he had a very good year last year, not on a FIP basis, but he had a 3.52 ERA. Um, and I think that I think that Cueto's reasonable uh, 
upside is an A minus. And I think that Samarja's reasonable upside is a B plus. And I think so that you, you would call Johnny Cueto edge ascent. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, but you can if you want. Um, and I think that between the two of them, that could be that would be fun to watch. Okay. And I think we're going to have a lot of bad pitching after that. Yeah, I agree. And we didn't even get into the bullpen, mostly because I don't have time to figure out who all of those guys are. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Watson. Cool. Know that guy. Who's the next guy? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Let's play another trivia game. Name the bullpen. Cannot. Will not. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see guys who were very, who were interesting, who were, you know, labeled as interesting flamethrowers or whatever. Like, I bet we'll see... I'm trying to figure out some names here. Have you ever Jerry, seen a flamethrower labeled interesting? Before? Jerry Blevins is on the team? I wasn't aware of that. Nick Vincent, cool. Oh, Yandel Gustave, I've heard that name before. I think he actually is a an interesting flamethrower. People could read all of this at home, Danny. They don't need you to read the 40-man roster to them. Trevor Gott. Oh, Harlan the Marlins on the Giants now. Oh, we got Gott? We, <laughs> like... Reyes Maranta is is a, a welcome a, a welcome return. You know, it, I didn't even realize this until I was drafting a fantasy baseball league. Which, ha, um, <laughs> life was so simple back then. Um, I was trying to figure out. I was looking at a closer chart, and the, can you guess who the projected closer is on the Giants? Uh, Tony Watson. No. No. Sean Anderson. Oh, all right. <laughs> I forgot he was on the team, let alone because, you know, he picked up like two or three saves at the end of last year. I thought he and Tyler Anderson were the same person. Not anymore. So, yeah, the bullpen is a massive question mark. And we went from, you know, the the best bullpen in the league to who are these guys like overnight. And all we got out of it was a bunch of salary relief and Mauricio Dubon, who's I love, um, and a whole bunch of other weird crap. Yeah. All right. Uh, Danny, I think that pretty much wraps up our four questions. Question number five, though. What have you been up to, buddy? (laughs) I kind of want to put some context on this. It's been a few years since we've recorded. And I know not everyone is interested in hearing about our personal lives and is not all that fascinated by uh, two boring white guys in their 30s. But we always did have a little bit of our show be about ourselves, you know, whether it was games we went to together or times we hung out in the press box together. Uh, I guess the only difference there being whether we paid to be there or not. Uh, <laughs> games we watched on TV with your dad, drunkisodes, you know, we, yeah. kinda, we, we weren't shy about peeling back the curtain and letting people see a little bit about who we are. So right. we've talked about our careers and relationships on the show before. So I guess just an opportunity to keep everybody posted on what we're doing and what life's been like the last few years. So uh, let's see, to put everything in a nutshell, which as you know, I do not like to do. Uh, <laughs> um, I have been a practicing attorney for several years um, since our last episode. Well, so re- really since we've been recording regularly, I guess, I, I, I mostly my career. Um, I'm engaged oh, to somebody I met via this podcast, Thomas has met her at least once or uh, twice. You asked me to be a groomsman in your wedding at a Giants game. <laughs> I did. I had to I'd make we'll it special. to record an episode during the ceremony. <laughs> if it ever happens. Let's see. <laughs> Bought a house in the East Bay. Have two cats. Um, up from one. <laughs> what? Up from one. You have up from one. one. Yeah, typically two comes after one. Um, it might go up to three soon. Depends how bored we get. Uh, Let's see. I've taken up running. I don't like it. You've quit running. Okay. (laughs) What else is new? I don't know. I have a sourdough starter that I think has gone bad. (laughs) Well, make it your starter dough uh, closer. Yes. That was a sentence. I don't know, man. Books. I like to read books. That's all you can give the people? 
for three years. You got to give the people what they want, which is not all the minutiae about redoing my yard. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I have some tomato plants. You want to okay. hear about my tomato plants? And I wish I was the host of this meeting so I could mute you. <laughs> um, How about you, buddy? Uh, What's new? Oh, man, so much. Um, I moved from California to New York City in <laughs> early 2020 uh, for a woman. Does she know? She does. Um, I have been outside her apartment for a few days now. Um, no, my, my, my lovely girlfriend, Ashley, uh, moved out to New York City. And I was in New York City for all of six weeks before uh, COVID-19 shut down. Uh, the job I had just uh, taken on as a server in an Irish pub and made it just awkward to be in New York City. Um, we were so lucky that her parents live out here in Suffolk County and have a house uh, kind of out in the boonies. So we got to come out here and we've been out here for coming up on 11 weeks. Um, my career has taken an interesting turn since COVID-19 happened. I took full advantage of the time at home and the situation to start a trivia company. I have been hosting Zoom trivia nights for two and a half months now. Danny, you've attended, uh, I'd say probably half of them by Yeah, now. very, very fun. And uh, I got recently had a write-up in the Washington Post. Uh, so we never made the Chronicle, Danny, but uh, one of us made the Washington Post somehow. You should invite Hank to one of your trivia nights. <laughs> I, would, I would love that very much. I would love to actually have a uh, Giants blogger media sphere uh, trivia night where I ask you guys all Giants-themed trivia questions. I've even written a couple. We can make it happen. Uh, we should do that. I just, it's, I'm so busy. I, I, I wish I wasn't bragging, but this company has really taken off and I'm hosting about eight to 10 trivia nights per week. So um, I've been really, really lucky that I, when I lost work, I didn't actually lose anything out of my life. So um, yeah, just a really lucky guy like you. And uh, I don't know, I, I feel like our lives are in a pretty good spot other than uh, us as a country having to get through what we're going through right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we do not take for granted that we're, well, on my end, that we're both in this household gainfully employed and healthy. Um, and, you know, uh, with with everything that everyone else is dealing with. So, yeah, it, you know, we're, we're looking at, every, at everything that's happening and just and wishing the best for everyone. Yeah, and you listeners out there, we really appreciate you guys if you followed along this far, uh, both from 2010 or from the beginning of this podcast, whichever one has felt longer, I'm not sure. Those of you who uh, forgot to delete this podcast from your iTunes when it, it stopped updating. My thumb has hovered over to delete it for a while now, and I never did, thinking, you know what, maybe we'll hop back on <laughs> at some point, and here we are. Yeah, I don't even know if we still have the intro and outro music somewhere. Somewhere we do. It exists. If you're hearing it, that means that Danny found it. If you're not, <laughs> we're very sorry and we don't care. All right, well, for Giants Pod, I'm Thomas Todd. I'm Danny Zarchi. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.